welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. I just have one question. Are you commissioned? Are you on mission? I'll give you a hint. This is a trick question. Because being on mission implies that you're a Christian, which assumes a supernatural transformation, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of like a, a nuclear explosion resulting in perpetual fission. I know, I know, you, you need an explanation or maybe an introduction. See, I'm from the 1040 window, which means I'm from a place where I'm 10 times more likely to die and go to hell by the age of 40 than to hear the gospel preached once only. So God saved me in a different nation than the one I was birthed in. I was what the Bible refers to as a heathen, enslaved in my sins, yet thought I was a free man. Driven by selfish ambition, I never thought of how to please him. Partying and chasing girls every weekend, I did it just to fit in or maybe just to fill in this hole in my soul where something was missing. And on Sundays, I'd hear pastors preaching sermons of a God who just wanted to bless men. So I thought, well, if I went to church, read the Bible, and avoided big sins, paid my tithes, then I'd go to heaven. Prosperity was the thesis underlying my beliefs as a moralistic deist. I really thought I could achieve it, God's righteous standard, so that he would be pleased with me. But it soon became clear that sin was my disease, you see. It infected my thoughts and influenced my deeds. And according to Romans 6.23, death was my just payment, the wages of my sins. This drove me to my knees. I cried out to the Lord, forgive my debts, please. And in his mercy, he sent several people to share the good news with me. I first heard it from a brook, saw it reflected in a stream, an image of a cross, and on it hung a king who left his throne to come and die for sinners like me. It sounded crazy. I still didn't believe. But years later, two men would step on the scene to teach me about this king, not merely sharing the gospel, but their very lives, it seems. The love of Christ in them multiplied into me. It was like a, like a bomb fell on my chest. One minute I was dead, the next I took a breath. It was like I was born again the second I took a step or maybe a leap of faith into the arms of the lamb slain. Now my whole life is rearranged. Instead of myself, I'm living for his name. Instead of the world, it's his praise I'd like to gain. Not the pleasures of my flesh, it's for righteousness I crave. And whenever I stumble, his grace helps me maintain. Yes, this joy is infectious. This love, this good news can't be contained. 
It compels me to share it and disciple men in chains so the shackles fall off and they too glorify his name. Salvation is the aim. Discipleship is the game. I said salvation is the aim and discipleship is the game. This inevitable fission that occurs when men are changed by this good news, this love that teaches us that to die indeed is gain. If we live to make sure every man, woman, and child hears of Jesus' name. The torch has been passed to the saints of this generation. And we must fan the flames in anticipation of a glorious celebration that God gives us a glimpse of in Revelation. Peoples from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Can you see the combination of God's glory and our joy in this euphoric manifestation? Can you feel the vibration? Can you see the variation? As each mouth opens in joyous exhortation, of the Holy One by whom they were commissioned to go and share the gospel to every class, creed, and skin tone nation. So if you're a Christian, this is the joy to which you're destined. Pray that God would enliven your heart. Pray that Christ's love in you would compel you to hasten this vision. Now, back to my original question. Are you on mission? Because if you are, then you're a Christian whose life is now in perpetual fission, sharing the gospel in every nation where Dr. Jesus does a supernatural transformation or operation in the hearts of every patient who's been added to his kingdom. There are prodigal brothers and sisters all over the world, especially in the 1040 window. So let's go bring them home. Sar, that was powerful. And I'm glad that you had the opportunity to leave that area, that 1040 window, and you talked about it. He was in Sierra Leone, part of the 1040 window, which goes from northern Africa over to China. Specifically, it's the 10-degree mark above the equator to the 40-degree mark that's over Africa and Asia. 4.1 billion people live in that area. It's where most of the unreached people of the entire world live, right in that area known as the 1040 window. And you would think that we'd be sending missionary after missionary after missionary there, but we don't. Only 2.5% of all the missionaries that are even sent go to the 1040 window. 
It's where most of the people are that will never hear the name of Jesus and hardly anyone's even going there. So I thank God that Sar was able to leave there and find faith, but not everyone can leave there. Somebody's got to go. That's why at our church, if you're a missionary and you're going to the 1040 window, you're top of our list. We're supporting you. We want to get you there. We want to do everything we can to reach those people because there are 5,800 unreached people groups that are located in that area. They've never even been reached yet. That's why our heart is saying this has to be a very merry global Christmas. We've got to think about the world and those that need to hear about the greatest story, the greatest message that any one of us could ever hear. I don't know about you, if you grew up in America, you're probably like me. Before my family was even followers of Jesus Christ, we attended church out of religious obligation. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, we just had a church. And then all of a sudden we found out about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and our whole life was changed. And my mom and dad brought me to a Billy Graham crusade and at age seven, I went forward, got into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And there were churches all around that we could choose from to grow. I had a Bible. You could see Billy Graham on TV. How many know you could still even watch classic Billy Graham right now if you have cable? I mean, it's all over. The gospel is everywhere, but it's not the same situation that Sar had. That's why we have to be so about missions, about going into all the world. And my first glimpse of missions as a kid was that my mom and dad had a black and white picture on the cork board next to our phone. We had one of those phones when I was growing up that had that mile-long cord. How many know what I'm talking about? It's the only way you could have a private conversation. You had to take it into the other room, and you'd follow the cord to find the phone, you know? But next to that phone on the corkboard, there was a picture of a family in black and white. I'd never met them. And I asked my mom and dad, I said, who is that? They said, that's missionaries that we support in Ecuador. They're there reaching people for Jesus, and we send them monthly support every month. I thought, that's so cool. I don't even know these guys, but we support them, and they're telling the love of Jesus to people that need to hear it. When I was 15, I went on my first missions trip to Brazil, And it was there that I realized that God was calling me into ministry, that he had a big heart for a big world, and it was a big job to go out and reach this entire world, and I needed to be part of this. I needed to be on mission to do something for God. Now I go on two global teams a year. It's kind of a standard for me. It just keeps me grounded. It reminds me what it's all about. It reminds me that there's more people to reach. There's more to do. Don't rest. Don't get satisfied. There's more to do. There's more missionaries. And every time I meet with them, they're asking for more finances and more support. And my answer always wants to be yes, yes, yes. And so I'm challenging us to step it up and have a very merry global Christmas. This is huge. And a long time ago, before we were writing Christmas cards and saying, Uh, Songs like Away in a Manger or Silent Night. Can I tell you something? Christmas started in the heart of God because he said, I want to send my son. That's what John 3.16 says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but would have everlasting life. The whole thing started in God's heart. I'm going to send my son. And because of that, we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate an amazing time coming up. Because God sent his son. And how many know Christmas is a sending holiday? 
Man, it is because of what God did, did, but how many know that for us, it's a sending holiday? How many, by a show of hands, have sent gifts through the mail, UPS, FedEx? Come on, raise your hand, right? Christmas is a sending holiday. And the other day, Becca and I were sending gifts, and we pulled into the Apple Valley post office, and we wanted to send it there. But the parking lot was so crowded, I could barely get it. I was trapped, and I was like, it's too small. My stress level was rising. I was having road rage in the parking lot, and I was like, I can't go in the door. We're going to FedEx. $18 later, I'm wondering, why didn't we send gift cards? They're way cheaper. But Christmas is a sending holiday. Think about it. God sent his son. Then he sends angels on a mission to announce it. Then he sends angels to the shepherds, and what do they do? They send them to go worship Jesus. That's not enough. God sends a star that shows where he's at, and some wise men are sent by God to hand-deliver gifts. Interesting. It's a sending holiday. It's a sending occasion. And then Jesus lives his life, and the Bible says that he sent his disciples. In John 20, verses 21, it says, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And so he sends his disciples. What does he do when he leaves? It doesn't end there. When Jesus leaves this earth, and I was just there at the Mount of Olives where he left this earth, what does he do? He says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Wait for the power from on high because guess what? You are going to be sent to the entire world. Christmas is a sending holiday. We serve a sending God. And that's why, uh, because we know that we serve a sending God, we are a sending church. We are, we can't help but be ascending church because Romans 10 verses 14 and 15 says, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. That's why the heart of River Valley is so strong as a sending church. We just have to be. We support long-term and short-term missionaries. And you heard in the video, 120 missionaries or missions agencies that we support every month with tens of thousands of dollars. Every month. Matter of fact, this is something to celebrate. In the last four months, we've had extra in our missions account. And we've actually sent every missionary that we support double payments For the last four months, because we said, keep doing it. We want to send you double payments. I think that's something to celebrate. (laughs) Next year, just from the general fund, over half a million dollars will be given. That means every time the offering baskets are passed by, this next year, we've taken some of that money and said it is going to missions. It's going around the world. It's going to go global. And over half a million dollars of that will go global just from the offering, not from pledges, not from over and above, just from the offering. In addition to that, this year, our kingdom builders went over 1.1 million with almost all of that being for missions and global projects. Think about that. About a million and a half dollars from this church alone going into all the world and it doesn't stop there. We're going to do it next year and the year after that. That's why we're committed to sending all of our juniors and seniors in high school on a missions trip. Here's the catch. 
If you're part of the youth group, we send you. If you're not part of the youth group, we don't send you. So join the youth group, okay? But we want to do that. Interestingly enough, Pastor Allen leaned over and said, hey, there's another church that's copying us. They're trying to do the same thing. And instead of feeling threatened, I was honored. I wish every church would send their juniors and seniors. I'm glad that we can set a new standard and other churches will copy that. We are a sending church. We are a sending church that sends out families around the world. We sent the Prince family to Swaziland. We're getting ready to send the Kramers to Thailand. They're ready to go. Before them, we sent Levi and Kelly Hoyt and Ron and Sandra Wilson to Mexico. We sent Juana Perez. She worked in an orphanage for years, sent out from this church. Leo and Carolyn uh, Campero went and did youth, um, uh, I'm sorry, Youth Alive. And they went around the world. And they're going around the world. We had Cortez. They were sent to uh, St. Cloud State University to go and be missionaries there to the students there. We're sending people all around the world. We're saying, you know what? We love missions. We love global project. We are a sending church. And can I ask you this? Maybe God wants to send you. Can we send you? I know some right here have a call. We want to send you. We want to be a sending church. Now, I gotta tell you, we believe that Luke 12, 48, it says, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. That's why we do local projects. That's why we're doing them every week. That's why we're doing Spain. People have said, well, Pastor Rob, how is the Spain campus gonna work out? I said, I don't have it all figured out. But I know this, that whenever we've taken a step of faith, God has honored it. And we went from one service to two, and I didn't know how multi-services worked, and then it worked, and we reached more people. I didn't know how multi-site worked, and we went from one campus to two, to three, to four, soon to be five. We've got three more that we're praying about that we're working on right now in the Minnesota area. And then six will come online with Swaziland. I, I don't have it all figured out, but I know that we'll figure it out as we go. And I believe much has been given to us, much is required. And we are a very affluent church. And instead of spending all the money on ourselves, I think we should spend it on reaching more people around the world. So part of our budget will be the Swaziland campus and the Spain campuses and those that are yet to be here. We still spend money around the church. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you look at these new uh, projectors. They're sharper. They're clearer. They're brighter. We're spending money. We moved our softer service into the lounge and put an HD projector in there. And some might be watching now on the softer service with a better quality picture and a nicer venue. I mean, so we're spending money here, but we can't just spend it on ourselves. We've got to spend it on those that haven't heard. We've got to spend it on those that we can reach more people. And so we're going around the world doing this. And so God is calling us to use our leadership gifts to do more. So we serve ascending God and we are ascending church. And I just want to know, will you be someone that can be sent? Because in Matthew 9, 37, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Pray the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. He never said money was a problem. Money's not a problem. He never said the government was a problem. God can get people into closed countries. They're not closed, they're just limited access. <laughs> it's not the problem. The problem was God was saying, I'm looking for people to send. Pray that I can have more people to send. And we're praying that God will send 100 people from our church so we can send them out. 
We could send 100 people and get out there and then celebrate that we've sent 100 and then start sending more. Now, we're praying for you, and you heard in the video that within four years of being a part of our church, we want you to go on a global team. We believe that. It's good for your spiritual growth. Some of you are like, I'm stagnant, I haven't grown on this. You need to go on a global team. It's part of what God wants to do to increase your faith, to help you grow and help you become a stronger follower of Jesus Christ. And just by a show of those that have been on a global team, because in the last four years, we've sent about 800 people. If you have been on a global team as part of River Valley Church, could you stand up across this church so we could clap and show our appreciation that you were sent? That's great, but how many know there are a lot more people seated than standing? We can send you. You can go. We have trips for you. We want you to go. We want you to go and be a part of this. You're missing out on something so beautiful. And your pastors, your elders, your leaders are praying that you'll go. And we have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And I know the biggest objection people say is finances. I'm going to tell you something right now. The first thing you need to do is write it down as a goal. I am going on a global team. Write it down somewhere. Put it somewhere. Strategize as a family. How are you going to do this? It is possible. Let me prove it to you. When Beck and I were a lot younger, we wanted to take the kids to Disney. It's kind of the American thing. Take them to Disney. We did the math. And we said, if we're going to take the kids to Disney, it's going to cost $5,000. Airfare, hotel, Disney tickets, Disney food, Disney ears. How many know it's expensive? (laughs) And so we said, it's $5,000. But we said, we're going to do this. And so for four years, we saved up. We made it a goal. We saved up. We brought the kids to Disney. We let them see all the stuff. And they saw it's a small world after all. (laughs) But then I realized if you can do that for... Disney, why can't you do it for global? And I wrote down, I am going to take my family on a global missions trip. Matter of fact, right below it, I said, I will go to China. I didn't put the two together. And right after that, God opened the door for us to bring our family way quicker than four years. He opened it up with some generosity that we were able to get our family on a global trip to China. Not soon after I wrote it down, and I didn't take them to It's a Small World. I took them to It's a Big World. It's way better. And I would challenge you, if you can save in your lifetime and get your family to Disney, for heaven's sake, save and get them on a global team. Let them see what God wants them to do and make that a goal. Write it down, sacrifice, strategize, look for ways. I had a family come up to me after church earlier service and they said, we just want to start a fund. We want to send people. We can go, but we've been blessed with resources. We just want to start a fund to start sending people. I'm excited about that. God wants to send people around the world. Some are like, they can send me. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Let God increase your faith. And write it down, pray about it, strategize, sacrifice, and watch God open door after door after door. He will. Only 1 in 20,000 followers of Jesus Christ actually goes on a trip. 1 in 20,000. That cannot be our ratio. It isn't. And it will not be. We have to go way stronger than that. And it's always been a problem of people wanting to go. Not that they want to go, that they don't want to go. When William Carey, the father of modern missions, says, 
I said, I want to go to India and I want to reach people that have never heard the name of Jesus. You know what his church said to him? Let the heathen take care of themselves. How sad. And he said, guys, I'll venture down into the pit, but you have to hold the ropes. You have to pray for me and you have to finance this. I'll go. Please hold the ropes at least. Matter of fact, it's always been a problem. In the book of Acts, when Peter goes and and preaches to the Gentiles that they can know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You know what the early church did? They got mad at Peter for doing that. And he had to say, guys, 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 God told me to do it. I had to. If they fought it, we fight it. Fight against that feeling that someone else should go. Go, be sent by this church. And let me tell you another thing that you need to do. If you want to go on a trip and you want to be part of this, Start giving to others that want to go. Become a sender. Become a sender. Because I will tell you this, two reasons why I want you to become a sender. Number one, the need is great. And although we raised 1.1 million for kingdom builders this year, that's not enough. The need is great. We will raise a million plus next year. I'm already at a million five of the things I want to do for next year, which means we need more people to sign up, more people to do it, more families to say, I'm in, I'll sacrifice, I'll be part of it. So I want you to do it because the need is great, but here's a confession from your pastor. When you become a sender, many times you become a goer. All of a sudden your heart changes You start giving money to those around the world. You start giving money to those that are willing to be sent. And all of a sudden, within your heart, it says, go, go, go. You need to go. You need to go. And all of a sudden, so some of you are like, oh, that's why I'm not giving. I am not giving because I don't. Man, let God change your heart. At the very least, you have to be a sender. You have to. You have to. So you have options after hearing a message like this. Go, send, or disobey. Disobeying is not a good option. <laughs> go or send. I'm praying that you'll go. I'm praying that you'll be sent. And I'm praying that our church will have that heart of our Father. That's a giving, sending Father. That our church will have it and that you will too. So Lord, I pray as we close out this service and as we watch one last very short video that will give us the options of where our teams are going around the world. I just pray you'd speak to our hearts. Help us to see we should go. We should send. We should be part of kingdom builders and doing something around the world. Lord, we don't want to disobey. Speak to our hearts as we watch these options come up on the screen. Cause something to light up within us that we'll know that's the one. In your name I pray, amen.